amazing. All right. Uh, hi, Shamita. Welcome to the Wises Community Podcast. It's so good to have you. Uh, uh, I would say in the studio, but I just it's just a bad habit to interact <laughs> with you uh, on Zoom. You are in Australia right now. I'm in India right now. There is a huge geographical distance, but I feel that's the beauty of uh, the internet technology that Indian and South Asian creators uh, get to interact with each other like this and find common ground. So before we begin uh, the session, I would like you uh, to introduce yourself, uh, your creative background, practice, and anything of relevance that you want to share with us. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. So uh, hello, I'm Shamita or Sham. And I am zooming to you from Melbourne, aka Nam. Um, it is pretty windy and very cold today. <laughs> um, but yeah, generally it's been a pretty good day. Um, my background and practice. So I am Malaysian Indian, although never really spent that much time growing up in Malaysia, um, but it has culturally informed a lot of my practices as well as my Indian ethnicity and heritage. Um, I like to just umbrella term myself as a performing artist, but within that, I guess, umbrella term comes a lot of different things. So uh, I'm a dancer, I'm an actor, I'm a kind of burlesque cabaret performer, uh, drag as well, I do a lot of different things. Um, But in addition to that, I do a lot of movement direction and writing as well, including and specializing in making my own work and theater. And hopefully after July, I will also be able to add filmmaker to my resume as I'm in the middle of producing my first dance film. Yeah. Is that a quick summary? <laughs> Do you want more? No, that's great. Thank you so much for sharing that. I think your artist and uh, creative uh, practice is, is kind of grounded into performing arts. And uh, it's just so fascinating that you're exploring dance, theater, and now filmmaking, right? So that's and even acting sorry so yeah it just kind of ties you up with so many creative directions and uh, also it's fascinating when you mentioned that you're Indian Malaysian so that uh, if you remember last uh, in our last conversation we were talking about that how the Indian and the South Asian diaspora is so diverse and uh, in, in the mainstream conversation is mostly about uh, North Indian people, Punjabi, Gujarati or South Indian, right? But right. I feel there is like so much, so many diverse group and so many diverse identities that uh, at least the mainstream diaspora is not really addressing or are not really aware of. So I'm very interested in learning about that through an interaction. Um, yeah, so I feel I wanna talk about uh, how like like uh how do you identify yourself as a creative do you identify yourself as a south asian creative or just uh, a brown creative or rather uh just a creative no tags at all like i that's something i want i'm really interested in so that like uh i think i'm now let you talk about it first then oh no no yeah yeah like it's a it's an interesting it's an interesting question because Like in my biography, right, I will say, you know, Sham is a queer creative based in Melbourne and I will mention some of my, I guess, Indian heritage and I'll say, you know, like a dance with a Bollywood crew. But I think in Melbourne where 
unless it's specifically like a South Asian centric event, I don't tend to say kind of where I'm from. Mm-hmm. Um, which is interesting. And I'm like, oh, like I've just thought about that now. I'm kind of like, is that because I feel like if I'm targeting my work towards a South Asian community or if it's a South Asian event, I'm like, do I need to like kind of verify the fact that yes, I am South Asian and I, like I belong in this, in this community? I don't know. That's, it's an interesting question. Um, but yeah, like I mean words that I would use to kind of um, identify myself as I would say probably like, I'd say like a, you know, a South Asian creative or like a POC creative. I tend to keep it quite general because to say like, you know, like I am solely like an, like I'm not, to say I'm an Indian creative doesn't really resonate with me fully because that mm-hmm. kind of took away from like the, the South a- Southeast Asian yeah. um, aspect yeah. of yeah. So I just tend to say like, you know, a person of color or like is a, you know, like a, a BIPOC creative or something like that. Exactly. Um, yeah, because I do also feel like my um, identity is, yes, I am a woman of colour, which definitely colours my work, um, no pun intended, but <laughs> but I do also feel like um, my kind of queer identity mm. also colours a lot of my work. And, like, my work tends to be, it depends who you ask, my work tends to be either really quite, like, heavily influenced and fused with a lot of kind of like diasporic mm-hmm. forms or it's very camp and very queer and you know like the actually it's funny you say this because over the weekend i did a gig that was at a queer event called beers for queers um and i did for the first time kind of fuse a lot of the bollywood stuff in with queer culture and like mm-hmm. like you know Doll and Britney remixes and things like that. And I was like, I don't know how this is going to read in a room that's so mixed. Um, and it worked in both ways. Like, you know, the white community was like, that's amazing. Like, we love having this cultural infusion in such a white space. But then the few Desi creatives and, you know, people who were there were like, oh, my God, like, it's so nice to be represented. So, yeah, I guess I toe the line between both. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, uh, I feel exactly. And... Like, that's a great answer in that sense that, again, uh, it's it's very, I feel very limiting if you just kind of uh, identify yourself as just an Indian creative or South Asian creative. I think it's it's rather your art first, then uh, you explore yourself, right? I think you also mentioned that uh, you started first with ballet, right? Then mm-hmm. you kind of explore your, uh, explore your dance form more into Bollywood, right? And then... Correct. Uh, you started infusing Bollywood with Western sensibilities. And I feel it also now is merging to your queer identity, right? So I think you're taking the best from everywhere. And I feel what happens is that it's not just about like South Asian circles will admire Bollywood, but I think art is rather disseminated and is to be enjoyed with air, like like mm. by any and every group right like you mentioned that a lot of uh, discourses about queer art is morally white centric but i mm. feel how do we actually merge south asian uh, perspectives or southeast asian perspectives so i feel those identities need to merge and i feel that that is something maybe consciously or subconsciously you are also exploring through yourself mm-hmm. and your through your art so i think that's something very interesting so uh anyways the project is titled the brown book and why it's not south asian or because the brown book uh, i feel rather encompasses on it try to include different 
identities and groups that are partially South Asian and partially Southeast Asian or different uh, combinations of such because the world that we are living in right now it's it's not something that is homogeneous but it's so heterogeneous it's such a beautiful mix right Mm. Um, so yeah, that's very interesting. So my next question would be, uh, as someone who's exploring Bollywood dance form, so uh, how how do you feel that like going forward? Uh, like you mentioned that you're fusing a lot of sensibilities. Mm. How do you observe such fusion is kind of coming around, like in your uh, dance practice or? when you're observing other artists and yeah. how our audience kind of responding to it? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so I guess to answer that, I'll have to take it back like a little bit. When I first kind of started doing this whole Bollywood thing, one big reservation that I had was as someone who hadn't actually really done it properly before, um, my reservation was that especially in the Indian film industry, Bollywood is so like, it's so hetero. It's so like mm-hmm. boy meets girl. They fall in love. Like there's no, you know, aside from what is that? Ed Lucky, Ed Lucky something, something. That one, you know, queer tinged film. Like it's it's very straight. And and I mean, for someone like me, short hair, a bit alternative. Like it, just, I just didn't feel like I had a place mm-hmm. in Bollywood mm-hmm. until I was literally asked by this incredible woman, Jaya Curran, um, you know, if I would like to join her, you know, crew. And I was like, oh, okay, like, this is interesting. I could try it. And and what I kind of found was that my love for it came from the campness and the escapism, which is something that my work often has in common, in a way, anyway. Um, not to mention that I think that when Bollywood is done really well, it's, it can be quite technical. We see a lot of, like, you know, not great Bollywood and we see some really incredible work and what I loved about this Bollywood group specifically is a lot of the dancers were classically trained in like Bharatanatyam or in like other dance forms like we'd all come from different worlds like at one point when I joined we had a ballerina who was like working in a company but also did Bollywood we had a gymnast and contemporary dancer who also was doing Bollywood we had a few Bharatanatyam dancers coming you know like so we had all of these different other skills but when they came together, we would all take turns kind of choreographing routines and each of us brought a little something different to the table. And so even though it was very authentic Bollywood, there would be movements that we would take from our other disciplines and somehow they would work really well. And so like we didn't start doing anything hardcore fusion for a number of years, but then with me, when I kind of choreographed my first routine for them, I tried to think about like, what the commonalities were in my various styles that could work with Bollywood. So, you know, one thing I noticed was like, uh, there can be really like really intricate detailed hands or mudras, you know. And so for me, coming from a kind of more commercial dance world, I was like, what can I draw from something that's really contemporary and now and infuse it into Bollywood? And I thought to myself, okay, voguing has a really interesting like also comes from a poc community right black and latinx communities um but it has like that intricacy and that sharpness that a lot of bollywood also has and so i thought to myself like wouldn't that be an interesting mix and yeah like that was kind of the first piece that i choreographed and it works really well it's like definitely one of our favorites um but coming back to i guess however else i fuse that i think that 
it was just a matter of experimenting and figuring out like what worked, what didn't. And nine times out of 10, I mean, like we've mostly performed locally or I've mostly performed locally and interstate in Australia. Australian audiences are always really open to seeing an interesting fusion. And so, you know, like as much as I think that there's something to be valued and said for very traditional kind of dance performance, it's refreshing and it's interesting to see these fusions coming together, especially because our whole society is like mixing and melding and mashing. And there's like infinite combinations of things that you can use. Does it always work? Perhaps not. But I think that like it's interesting to see new work. Another fusion I've noticed that's really interesting with Bollywood is, um, and like this has been going on for a few years now, but I see it a lot. A lot of dance hall in Bollywood is fusing, especially in the UK. Like I follow a few crews on Instagram where it's so funny, like the beats just work so smoothly together. Dance hall music has that dum the dum which is the same thing that we often have in our music. So it's like, it's almost like a natural fusion that these two things would work together. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Like, it's all generally been quite well received. That's amazing. And, yeah, exactly. I feel, and, again, I think there's another, uh, I would say, the discussion that has opened up that uh, because earlier Bollywood or uh, India dance form were kind of limited to India and South Asia, right? Now, mm -hmm. because of migration and uh, internet, uh, uh, 24 hour connectivity, you are not able to, like, as you mentioned, that you're able to follow a UK based dance group that are merging dance mm -hmm. hall with Bollywood, right? And similarly, uh, different uh, South Asian, Indian, and a lot of margin, uh, I would probably say POC communities mm -hmm. merging their dance forms. And we are able to witness that, right? Through Instagram, through YouTube. And uh, we are also understanding that Bollywood is a very limiting term because Bollywood just kind of captures the Hindi film industry that is North India. Mm -hmm. A lot of people don't know that, but South Asian, sorry, South Indian dance forms are kind of different from Bollywood. Though uh, when yeah. we say Bollywood, we often means Indian dance forms, right? But no, like anything that's not like specifically like Mohiniyattam or but like any of the non-classical forms yeah, yeah, is yeah. Bollywood. Yeah, but we totally mean, yeah, Hollywood, Tollywood, like it's all, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, to, maybe to us, we have this understanding, but uh, to a lot of white audiences or non-South Asian audiences, I feel so that's something a lot of uh, diaspora is kind of trying to understand how do we uh, actually present ideas so that we actually also preserve diversity. And these are some mm -hmm. of the interesting conversations I've had with a lot of filmmakers, who are South Indian, I'm North Indian. So for me, my, uh, like I grew up on Bollywood, right? But to a lot of my South Indian friends and even a Malaysian friends, they grew up watching Tamil movies, Telugu mm. movies, right? So uh, so that's something that's an interesting debate when I talk with, oh, uh, like, uh, are you a Bollywood dancer? They say yes, but then inside they feel they are more than that because they are trying to yeah. build something else. So that's very interesting. And I, and I, I feel that we'll also, uh, reach and try to understand the complexities involved. But right now, I think I, I really enjoy how the diaspora is embracing these dance forms. And now it had, I think we are opening up in a way that a lot of non-Indian or non-South Asian folks are also trying to learn Bollywood. Like we, we now learn salsa, right? Like salsa is something that has just like mm -hmm. popped up 
I don't know if, if I know it's there is a debate of authenticity, but it's just that salsa has become so synonym to that everyone knows it, right? So it's like you go anywhere in the world, yeah. there are salsa classes that people are actually enrolling and kind of enjoying and learning. Yeah. So I think I'm just gonna ask my next question. Mm. So if you're comfortable, uh, do you want to talk about your experiences of being Indian Malaysian in Australia? Like, uh, how does that inform? your uh, personal self, your creative, and even your professional self when you navigate the world? That's a, a good question. <laughs> it's a big question. Um, I guess I can speak to, like, the various industries I'm in. Let's just say the entertainment industry because that's the easiest world that I can um, discuss. I feel like when I first moved here, which was oh, maybe like 10 years ago, seems like a long time now. Yeah, about 10 years ago. Um, I definitely didn't feel too weirded out because I was already quite like all of my family, bar my parents, are actually based in Australia. So I didn't have like a complete cultural disconnect. Um, it always felt like no matter which kind of state I went to, I'd have some kind of family. Um, but in terms of like getting into the industry and the arts and entertainment scene, I would say that it wasn't necessarily the easiest simply because, especially 10 years ago, actually not that much has changed, but 10 years ago, um, I was very pigeonholed or rather they wanted to pigeonhole me and they couldn't quite find the right box to put me in. Um, simply because I think, number one, I hadn't established myself much in the industry i'm like i was coming over here to do a bachelor of performing arts so there was that but in addition to that when i started like i did get a modeling agent and an acting agent and i started kind of going for auditions it wasn't until like i think four or five years of me being here where i actually got the right agent for me that i was able to really start properly like booking work until that point i would say 95 percent of the jobs that i ever booked were like through my own means because when it comes to like commercial work here, independent stuff has always been quite open-minded. Like it didn't necessarily matter where you came from or whatever, but anything that had to do with like mainstream media, unless you really fit a typecast, they would look at you and they wouldn't see like, oh, you would fit this character. They would say, oh, well, she looks like this or she looks like she could be from there. So she can only play a character that's from there, which was a real hindrance to me because I was never identified as like Indian enough or like Malaysian enough, you know, like when they looked at me initially, they never saw kind of my abilities. They just saw kind of what I looked like. So if it didn't fit in their idea of a box, then no casting for me, you know, didn't matter if I played the role well or not. And, you know, you can kind of argue like Australia has developed and changed, which it has, which it definitely has um, developed. But I still think, like, in terms of casting, us compared to the USA, which is still developing in its own way, we are still a lot more behind on the times. They tend to kind of... There's, it's like a running joke between um, Australian creatives. Like, they always tend to pick the same pool of actors and it's like someone will be playing a dad on this show and then they'll play the father-in-law on the next show. And it's like... It's a very kind of incestuous industry and so... This is why a lot of Australian creatives, no matter where you're from, tend to migrate overseas because the work pool is a lot larger 
and you're more lucky to kind of have like a little breakout role in something else overseas than you are here. Because the work that we do is, indie film is like it's slowly kind of, it's coming out a little bit, but generally for most actors here, like 80% of actors I'd say, you'll get into a film festival with a short film that you did, it'll do the rounds, you'll get a few little nominations, but like to actually get on well-paid Australian work, very difficult. So for me, I felt like I was a margin and then I was an even smaller margin, you know, like perhaps if I was in the industry and blonde and I looked like I lived in Bondi, you know, maybe it'd be easy. But I think that they don't necessarily think of as many Asian creatives with like our looks in mind or other characters. But that being said, what's nice is fast forward 10 years and like I think that there is so much more of a dedication to hiring not only like, you know, queer or like non-binary people, but like we've just diversified so much at this point. It's it's really refreshing to see. And of course, there's going to be a couple of productions that will do the whole on the opposite end, tokenistic casting, where they're like, oh, we have a quota to fill. So let's just like tick some boxes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't know if that like happens in India, but, but here it's kind of like, oh my God, you literally just like wrote this tiny role because you needed to tick a box or like you know they'll they'll write in a role but they won't have a cultural consultant so then it's like well what's worse hiring someone authentic to play a shit role or like <laughs> do you know what I mean um but yeah like I mean within Melbourne and Sydney especially we're especially Sydney like we're quite lucky because we're very ahead of the times other Australian states hmm still getting there <laughs> But yeah, I feel like I've blabbed on a lot. No, I think I was really interested in actually getting your perspective because I think I agree with a few things because these are, have been my observations as well. Uh, mm. uh, I, I would also say like when you mentioned that uh, someone playing one particular role in one Australian TV show is also uh, that he's a father and then he's the brother or father in law yeah. yeah, in, in just the next show. And it's the same with a lot of British shows as well. I mm. I noticed that when I'm, I, I, I was just watching one British movie, then the next show had that same character in some different, I was like, why can't they just cast someone new? Like, I, I'm pretty sure they must be like really talented folks, but it's just that I think that's, that, that's because British, Australia, even I would say Canadian film industry, they are so small compared to the American film industry or American music or mm -hmm. dance industry that I don't know. It's it just, I feel the producers, they they don't really want to take, take risks, right? They're like, okay, we know this person really well. We know people recognize this person. So they don't really want to take any risks. Uh, and with Indian film industries, I think the challenges are different in that sense that uh, Indian film industry again because it's the industry for brown people, right? Like it's 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 not about race, but rather about a lot of like very gendered specific roles. You kind of mentioned that, right? Like when you watched Bollywood dance routines, it's very heteronormative, yeah. right? A boy meets girl, and we are still there, right? Uh, mm -hmm. I, I'm trying to kind of see that. Hey, like as an audience, even. Uh, uh, as a heterosexual, I'm really interested in seeing different perspectives. Educate me, right? Like how, yeah. would, how would I, can I want to see films uh, come proper from India, which actually have perspectives of Indian queer community, 
but we often do not really get them because we are just a caustic, same old uh, masculine, uh, I would say, standards and yeah. same old feminine standards. And there's one thing I, I'm not sure that if you're faced that uh, in Australia, it's about race, right? If you, mm. as you mentioned, if you're blonde, you're white, you have more chances of succeeding in India. If you're light skinned, Oh yes. So it's like like there is a colonial hangover that has kind of seeped in. So we are still kind of struggling with that too, right? Mm -hmm. So these are just some interesting things I feel creatives, even if you're in India, even if you're in Australia, there are few common threats that we are kind of facing. But as as an optimist, I believe that when someone is insanely creative, people just have to make way for them. And I, I genuinely believe that, but I've seen that. I've seen actors who don't really have those conventional uh, looks or the conventional, what do you call it, conventional ideas, but they see yeah. and they just connect with you because I think your creativity just transcends your gender, your race, your identity, your accent. And, mm-hmm. And that's something I often look to and I see that, okay, I think it's just that people who are kind of are gatekeepers of these industries are just really care about power, money, but audiences like us, we are just looking for good stories and some just people exactly. to connect to, right? Yeah, no, I totally agree. It's That's it. Like, I, I think that the most interesting work, like from my perspective as an actor, this is the only reason why I'm like, I'm pretty happy doing the independent stuff. Cause as much as it would be nice to do like a more mainstream thing, I'm not the kind of actor that wants to be in. Have you heard of neighbors? Oh, is it? Uh... It's like, so Kylie Minogue, for example, like a lot of Australian celebrities have mm-hmm. this, this is one show. It's like I'm trying to think of like the Indian equivalent, but I can't think of one, like something on like, Ah, anyway, it's like a generic soap opera type show and everyone that's on it, it's like, it's a lot of people's big break because in the UK and in Australia, like in really bogan kind of communities, it's really basic entertainment and everyone watches it. So therefore it's been going for, I don't know, 20 years or something. But finally this year, they've pulled the plug on funding and they said, no, sorry, no more neighbors. But until this year, neighbors was kind of the gold standard for a lot of actors here. Um, which was interesting because to me, like, I mean, hey, like, it'd be nice to work on a massive set like that, but I've never been interested in that anyway. So I'm like, hey, it's fine. What's interested me more has always been the more kind of creative, weird character roles because I'm like, oh, like, I'd love to do that kind of thing. But that stuff, the stuff that takes risks, less of a common film that's made in Australia less i won't say never but the really meaty stuff is often smaller independent projects so no but i I feel uh that these independent projects i feel uh because i like i feel that earlier like audiences were just limited to just watching american films or Mm. just surface level indian bollywood films or whatever now i feel maybe because of Netflix, maybe because of hundreds of streaming services, which are now actually showing a lot of independent films. I mm. feel we are kind of seeing really interesting, like at least for me, I, I've, I've explored a lot of new uh, indie films that have been made in New Zealand, 
uh, and even Australian films that have been very interesting. Like I, have, uh, 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 like a lot of Australian musicians are coming to states are being like proper kind of making it big, who were really yeah. considered experimental a uh, few years back. So I feel that a lot of independent films are now getting the audience that they deserve because of ease of access of finding them on the internet. Uh, yeah at a reasonable price on streaming services so that's why like we are not able to see these different perspectives and that's why i feel and for, even as you're going to mention that for an actor it's 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 more satisfying to do these character roles right and yeah. hopefully you actually kind of make your way into those circle of creatives who are interested in casting you or collaborating with you for your creativity rather than uh, pigeonholing it you to some tokenistic identity, right? Because for me, I feel uh, I love watching a lot of brown actors making it big, but I really like them if they are just playing a character rather than a typical Indian person, right? Like, yes, yeah. Uh, I think one example I would give is Riz Ahmed. Uh, have you like seen any of his work? Yes, I have. Yes, I have. Which role are you referring to? Or just all of them? <laughs> uh, uh, so one specific is, uh, what's the name of the movie? Where he plays a drummer with a partial hearing problem. He actually yes. was, I literally just forgot the movie's name, but it was... Oh, look it up. Okay, thank you. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, I think you got nominated as well for the Academy, right? I think that. it did. What is that? Uh, it is. So, oh, Sound of Metal. Sound of Metal. So, yeah. Riz visibly a brown dude. And I know he's a brown dude. People know he's a brown dude. But yeah. you don't really care about that. Like, uh, But he's just playing a main lead where he's the focus like he's going through something and i'm just happy to see that like i feel that's anti-tokenistic right it's about playing human characters rather than playing an indian doctor an indian id guy an indian person just uh, who immigrated it's like all these cliches we know but i feel very like i'm interested in actually seeing you being a dancer who's just uh, a of someone playing a queer uh, character which is complex and uh, we know it's a brown person so even if you don't even spoon feed us i know we yeah. know and that's the power of movies and tvs right you don't have to literally tell us we can see it and we know like we know okay which community this person may have come from uh yeah. so those are some of the ideas i feel we are now ex getting to explore now and what happened, what's happening as well as well, like I was mentioning these gatekeepers, right? Or the casting directors in your case, uh, they try to tokenize and pigeonhole you, but I, I would rather think that a lot of casting directors are trying to understand that, that the audiences have matured now and the minority audience, they don't really wanna see themselves as victims or just as that, token best friend in a side character who's just there on the screen but rather play something of human character that we interact with on a daily basis right and that is more valuable and significant rather than just being another brown person on the screen 100 percent, yeah no 
I totally agree. And it's nice that we are seeing a lot of that kind of slowly coming out from the kind of American Netflix market. Um, it would be so great if Australia would do the same. <laughs> I, 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 I feel that what I often say is that I, like, again, like, later on we can critique films as, oh, this is hydro film or this is mm. really toxic and garbage. But what I want to say is, I want brown characters to actually appear in American Dean toxic dramas as well and into Academy <laughs> winners as well. I don't care. Like, I will say that this film sucks, but at least uh, I would say that this film sucks, but at least uh, our brown characters are get, getting to explore the shitty side of the industry as well, right? Where, yeah. So it's like it, it, it has to be open season rather than, oh no, uh, just be in these specific roles. I think. Sure, sure. So, so it, it has to be teen, uh, those quirky soap operas, as well as to really well produced dramas that we really like. So it has to be all yeah. across the board rather than just one thing. Uh, have, you watched, um, have you watched, is it called Sex Education? That There's that one. Character she's now in Bridgerton, Simone Ashley, I think. I think so. No, I've heard about it. Like, I, but I haven't seen either of those shows. But I, but I, I have friends and I have people, like oh. people who have like enjoyed them. Uh, and I yeah. know like the second season had like Indian character, and I, I that's that's something that I'm talking about. Like necessarily, mm. I won't consume. Like I won't really see those films because that's not my taste. But neither. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, I, like I don't care like, like like you kind of mentioned like neighbors right so like yeah even like you don't enjoy neighbors but if there is an Indian person playing a substantial role in neighbors I'll be just happy okay our guy is or uh, uh our guy is playing uh a role in this really cocky show but I'm happy about that so it's just that right so so I don't know that that sounds very stupid but I I feel that <laughs> that's how you progress no, I get it yeah, yeah. Where you are in Bridgerton as well, and you are also in Neighbours too. I'm hopefully in a Indian film about that's non-heteronormative for once, right? But I mm. feel I am no I I'm not sure that how much Indian cinema you consume, but I feel in the last four years we are now actually making stories that are at least moving away from the cliche meet cute boy meet yes. girl. So yeah, yeah. Um, I've seen some uh, great independent. I've seen some such good independent work. Um, and you know, like a couple of times as well. Like this is the beauty of streaming platforms and Netflix. You know, you're able to access and watch things that don't usually come around very often. Um, we do also have the Indian Film Festival in Melbourne, and I was able to like catch a bunch of good indies there. Um, but it it is it is funny. Like even within the independent film circuit, it's like finding the right ones to watch that aren't always about like strife and like, you know, the suffering of, of people. It's like, yeah, it's so tricky. And you can tell those films that have gotten funding from community grants because they're like, you know, it's documentary style. Yeah. Like so often you see funding for documentaries telling about struggle, which of course is so important, but it's like, you want to celebrate the joy and the beauty of yeah. culture without it also being, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree yeah. with you. I feel that, uh, that's another, I think that's just universal, right? Independent films uh, often take themselves too seriously, right? And, uh, and maybe the reason is because they can only get funding if they are talking about some social issue that re that's relevant, right? 
or else yeah. how are you able to kind of produce an independent film that is frivolous that's just about something mundane right something just joyful yeah something. like why would we get funding <laughs> yeah uh, i feel uh, i don't know if uh, oh yeah so i have one example because i'm thinking about fast pacific islands uh, australian new zealand so in yeah. the new zealand director that has become really big I, oh i'm going to butcher his name so bad uh that, <laughs> Uh, is it I mean, like a white TV? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. Like I was about to like this. Like his work is amazing. Like I saw his earlier uh-huh. films, like the low budget one, uh, uh, Hunt for the Wilder People. And yeah. Now he's making Thor, so and he's making big budget stuff. But earlier when he was just dropping, I was like, oh wow, that's an indie film. I know that, and it's just so stupid, but it's so much fun. Like it's it's just so so much fun. I just love that film so much. Incredible! I know he's such a big directing inspiration for me, directing and writing. Because like, what I think resonates about his work for me is he does tell these impassioned and important stories, but he's also a master at creating like humor out of like messed up situations. You know. And that I think is the best, like my motto is honestly like, you know, make the audience feel something, whether good or bad. And like, sometimes the best way to drive a serious point home is to break the tension with laughter or with humor. And I think he just does that so well. I love him. Obsessed. Yeah, you know, he's, he's just like, so like, I, I, I feel that, I, and I also feel that maybe that's, the, I know what a British humor is, it's dry. And I, through him, I realized what Australian humor is. Like, I, our New Zealand, and I think Australian, New Zealand humor well, are... Kiwi or the similar, yeah. yeah. I, so, I understand that because as a cricket fan, I have seen enough interviews with Aussie cricketers to understand, oh, wow, these, they are really into kind of, uh, what do you call it, uh, banter. That's the right. Banter. It's kooky. There's a lot of banter. Yeah. 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 So I think that's very Aussie. And I'm like, through his work, I can clearly see that kind of sensibility. I'm like, oh, that's so cool. I, I would love to watch more. Uh, and I'm like, I really want to see Indian, like, I, 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 as you mentioned that we, we would rather have brown characters play different. But I haven't seen any Indian centric film that is based in Australia or New Zealand. Like, I would love to just kind of see that. Like, how does the diaspora kind of navigate in Australia? Like, I'd be very interested mm-hmm. to kind of say, I've seen uh, Indian drama set in UK, in the US, even in Canada, even in, uh, I would say, the Middle East, but nothing from Australia yet. Maybe I haven't kind of explored it much, but I think I'll be really eager to understand and see Indian communities and South Asian communities' perspective living in Australia, because I feel, they have a lot of interesting ideas, banter, or and, yeah. uh, any even tensions, racial tensions due to the immigration. I think that'd be a very interesting perspective. I mean, I feel like one thing that you need to check out when it comes out, and I will tell you because I was in this film. Um, so <laughs> Saloni Chopra, who is this actor and I guess creator, I think she like grew up in Adelaide, but then she migrated over to India and she's like worked in the industry there. She's done kind of indie film, Bollywood, like everything. Um, And so she came back here and she was like, I'm gonna, she's very like strongly feminist, very third wave feminism, which I love about her. And so she wrote this very rom-com type drama. Um, And I think it's gonna be feature length too, but like, I feel like it's really gonna hit all of the marks you were just talking about. It's progressive, it's funny, 
Um, it's sad at the same time, like, but it's very like Australian Indian, like it's so specific. Um, but yes, it's called coconut. So look out for that one when it comes out. <laughs> wow, like, uh, like, uh, do you know when, when, when are they supposed to release it? Is it this year? I mean, hopefully I, we shot it like several months ago, but I think it's now in the editing stages. So yeah. who knows? Who and knows? Even after it's edited, they have to find distributors. Uh, yeah. if they want to show it in film festivals or they want to mm. uh, maybe show it in hopefully on Netflix or on yeah. any streaming platforms, right? So that's an interesting struggle for a filmmaker. Right? Now you've made your film. It's amazing how, how do you want to show it to the audience, right? And how do you want to market it, right? Those are such interesting, uh, I, would, I wouldn't say interesting. I think I would say challenging, right? Like, Challenge, yeah. As an artist and a creative, like, okay, I think I'm just going to ask you this. As an artist and a creative, now you have kind of created something. Like, yeah. how do you kind of grapple with the challenges of actually marketing it and also mm -hmm. distributing it and kind of just telling the world that, hey, it's out there for you to see? Mm. Yeah, it's a big one. And I'm constantly thinking about that with my own film. Like right now, we're just taking it step at a time, day at a time. I've kind of said, okay, like, let's shoot this thing. And then we'll raise more funding for like post-production, which is always like the probably the most expensive part. And then from there, it's like, okay, distribution, like, do we want to enter it into festivals? Do we want to pitch straight to like galleries even? So yeah, we're definitely like, I think every filmmaker has this conundrum. So yeah do you want to talk about like i think again like let's talk about your film it's it's twin flame so uh mm. do you want to talk about the basic concept of the film like uh sure yeah so um yeah good, good actually yeah great segue <laughs> so it's pretty much inspired by two hindu goddesses kali and parvati mind you neither of us are trying to play these goddesses it's mm -hmm. more like these two archetypes and we're taking the energies and belief systems of each of them to make these characters but um it's essentially about without like giving too much away it's about the idea of death of the ego motherhood identity and kind of the the sense of divide that we often have as women and especially indian women you're either the the nurturer the you know the force of like humility and care and domesticity or you're like the devil woman who is just like angry and loud and brash and, you know, does without thinking. Um, and it's really about kind of finding and embracing both of these identities and realizing that sometimes they need to coexist um, to be the, I guess, best version of yourself. Um, so it's about that. <laughs> and it's, you know, 20 minutes, entirely no dialogue. There is a narrative which is really uncommon in a lot of dance film, like to have like a narrative as strong as this. Um, but it's really drawing from, I guess, Carnatic music, but also fusion. Um, we have these two incredible performers, um, well, three, uh, Pavin and Josh Bennett and Jay Dubgar, who's a tabla player. And the three of them are collaborating with us to create this incredible soundtrack that you're not going to be able to necessarily place because we're using things like traditional Carnatic music techniques, but we're using alternative instruments to play them. Or like, you know, with my solo as Kali, we're using, you know, almost electronic music and crunchy sort of synthesizers, but something about it is going to sound quite messy at the same time. So it's very much like a film that is 
rooted in a sense of like authenticity and representing these characters authentically, but we're using the scenes, like the landscape around us and the score of the music to kind of transport into a sort of liminal space that isn't really like here nor there. It's kind of a fusion of in between, which is very much me and my co-performer Ida, very much our identities. You know, we didn't want to be like, this is a classical film and I'm going to do this classical form and you're going to do Kathak and this is, you know, we're using everything that we've been trained in, like to kind of create this choreography. And it's, it's very exciting. And in all of the research that I've been doing over the last two years, like I haven't found uh, a film made by Brown creatives that even is remotely similar, but nor have I found anything by Western creatives either. So the film is hopefully going to bridge that gap between cultural awareness and appreciation versus like, art film is the best way I could summarize it. Is that enough? <laughs> uh, definitely, and uh, like personally, I've seen some of the stills and uh, some rushes on your Instagram. So it looks really well done. Uh, the concept is really interesting, like how you're exploring uh, the two sides of Hindu, what is this, uh, Parvati and Durga, right? Uh, yeah, well, Kali mostly. Uh, oh, yeah, but sorry, uh, Kali and Durga, like, like, of different. Of they come from, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Kali and Power. So that's really interesting, and you're doing it in a way that you're actually composing music that is Western, yet they see, and you mentioned mm -hmm. the liminal space. Liminal space is something I've written, I've written about in the past that how, like, the South Asian cultures in the West, they're creating something and it becomes a third space, a liminal space. Mm -hmm. That's something entirely new that you don't that just existing in the between and i feel it's a very interesting concept and i'm very eager for you to finish this project and hopefully you find success and we're able to see it somewhere in a film festival or i hope so <laughs> art show and gallery and i'm just yeah i think we um, it was so lovely to chat with you. I just gained so much perspective from some of your ideas. And so thank you for taking the time out and sharing your experiences. Mm -hmm.